Well, my text this morning is found in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible, and verse 9. I want to think this morning particularly of the young. I hope you're all young at heart this morning. We've thought particularly of the definition of a godly woman, a godly man. Well, we want to think this morning of young people. And I don't say this with any condescension or pity, but to try to find out what does God's Word say, especially to young people. Here is our text. Wherewithal, or we could say how, in what way, shall a young man, a young woman, a young person, cleanse his way by taking heed by being very careful, super sensitive to God's Word. Well, that's our subject this morning, advice to the young. God's Word has much to say to men, to women, to people in their very last years, to young people. Married people, single people, widows, widowers, every single category of life. In some ways, we don't need categories. There is only two. You are either inside or outside the kingdom of heaven. That's the only distinction that really counts. But God's word has so much to teach us of the particular challenges and opportunities of the different stages of life. We have childhood, when we're just so naive, when we have all the enthusiasm of life. Then we get to teenage and youth, as we might call it, and then adulthood, and then middle age in many ways, the hardest phase of life when all the pressures of life, work, parenting, marriage, if the Lord has blessed us with that, all the responsibilities in the church, hopefully, and then latter years, where we have lots of experience, but we don't have the energy anymore. Maybe we have a bit more time but we have more problems with health. There is no stage of life that's any better than any other. But we want to think particularly this morning of youth. I don't know how you define that. I really want to speak to everybody, but particularly to those that consider themselves to be young. It seems to me the definition of youth has got younger and younger, and people become adults so quickly. Yet God's Word addresses us this morning. There's so much here that's particularly for you this morning. Just think of life. We grow up, we reach adult years, and already we've made so many errors, so many lessons have been learned. So many things we would do differently. You know those interviews. You have 
somebody that's become famous, a footballer, a politician, maybe, maybe they're not famous anymore, infamous. But they asked that question, what would you say to the young version of yourself? Imagine you were 30 years younger and you were just starting out again. What would you say to yourself? I've always thought that was a good question. But you know, the Bible got there first. Because really all the things that the Bible says to young people is from people who've been there before. From God who made us, who is our creator. The pattern and the method of God's word is to say, I've been there before, Solomon, in the book of Proverbs. Just think of it, chapter 3. Perhaps turn to that for a minute. Just notice what it says in verse 1. My son. Isn't that gentle? It's not looking down at young people and saying, Oh, young people today, they don't know anything. It's speaking as a father, saying, My son, I was your age once. It might have been different then, yes, maybe, a bit, but not really. Because the human heart doesn't change. And there's nothing new really under the sun. My son, sit down. Let's talk together. Let me tell you the thing that's most important. Forget not my law. This is Solomon writing it, but really it's God speaking. If there's one thing that your heavenly Father would say to you, don't forget the Bible. Don't forget what God says as your heavenly Father directly to you as a young person. Don't forget my law. I wrote it for you. I knew what you needed in life. I didn't leave you aimless. I didn't leave you to wander around not knowing where to go, what to do, what was right, what was wrong. I gave you my law. I wrote it on your heart. I gave it to you in the Bible, in different forms of literature, poetry, history. Sayings, proverbs, promises, the teaching of the Lord Jesus. Don't forget it. It's what you need today. 2023, don't forget it. It's my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. Isn't that gentle? It's not condescending. It's not saying, I told you so. It's not saying, I'm warning you. It's gentle language to the young. It's advice. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, ye children, the instruction, the kind words and the teaching of a father. Not a kin on this occasion, not a head teacher, 
not a schoolmaster, but a father. Attend, listen very carefully to no understanding. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, listen to my wisdom. What's wisdom? You can have knowledge, but you don't know how to apply it. You can have three PhDs in something that I can't even pronounce, but you can know nothing about life, about the heart. The heart knows wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge that's been applied, that's given to you by God, my son. Attend unto my wisdom. I've seen it all. I've seen every life that there's ever been. I've seen every day of every life and every hair on every head. And I know every mistake there is to be made. Listen to my wisdom. It's a conversation. Sit down in my study. Let's have a chat. Let's have a conversation. I'm not going to speak directly about your life initially. I'm going to talk about life as a whole. And then gently I'm going to urge upon you, listen to my law. Listen to the word of God. Listen to the men that have gone before you and the women. And the terrible hash they've made of their lives. And then you can apply knowledge and wisdom to your life. Chapter 7. Look at that. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. You see, I'm just giving you one illustration of how God's word so gently implores us to keep to store, to lay up, to listen, to be attentive to God's word. Well, let's turn to our text this morning. Psalm 119 and verse 9. My first heading is this, the great need of the young. We all have needs. Maybe my needs are a bit different to yours. Some of them are the same. Maybe our elderly today, they have different needs again. But this verse says, Wherewithal. I don't know what version of the Bible you have before you, but I think the King James Version has got the very best word here. The NIV just says, How. But this word, wherewithal, is very deep. It says, Many ways have been tried before. Lots of them. They've all failed. What have they failed at? Well, there's a problem for young people. The problem is you have a heart that from the very beginning was fallen. You have a heart that's unclean and you've made it more unclean. You have a heart that's got damage to it. How will it be cleaned? You've tried all the different ways. You've tried to turn over a new leaf. You've tried many different remedies. 
how and wherewithal, which different method, which means can a young person use to cleanse their way? The word way means your life, your choices, your life up until this point. How can it be cleansed? How can it be made right with God, your stain, your sin, taken away? You see, life is a bit like a garment. You've worn it for five years. It's not been changed. It's got a bit dirty now. It smells, it's stained. You can put it in the washing. Oh, that's what Christ does. He cleanses us of all the stain of sin. All the guilt is gone. All the penalty is gone. But you take that shirt out of the washing machine, it's crumpled. And it needs to be straightened out. Sometimes we speak about a house being cleansed. It doesn't just mean to put the spray so that there's a whiff of something a bit more pleasant. The house needs to be put in order. It needs to be straightened out. The iron needs to come and straighten it out. That shirt is crumpled. That's what sanctification does. It takes a life that God has cleansed, converted, changed, but the ironing needs to be done. The shirt needs to be straightened out and we come to conversion, the stain, the sin, the stench, the guilt, the penalty, they're taken away. That's salvation. But we still need to be sanctified. How can a young man cleanse his way? Two things need to happen. I need to be forgiven. I need to be cleansed, but my life, my way, needs to be put in order, sorted out. Using the analogy of the coat or the shirt, it needs to be ironed. The creases, the mistakes, need to be sorted out until we get given that perfect robe of righteousness. Not my life, Christ's life. He gives me his shed blood, he gives me his perfect garments. My life isn't good enough, but now I can believe on him, trust in him. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? We've told you what needs to happen, cleansing, forgiveness, but we need to know how. That's the second half of the verse, by taking heed listening very carefully. It goes back to Proverbs, verse 3. This person's taken the wisdom of God and he's applied it to his heart and he's said, God knows best. His laws are right. His laws are perfect. And I am, for the rest of my life, going to listen to God. And I'm going to follow his ways. I can't do it on my own. I'm going to take heed to the word of God, and as I apply myself unto wisdom, God comes, and the Holy Spirit helps me. This is our great need. Do you feel that need today? 
Are you going through life careless for your soul, indifferent? How shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed? That man isn't careless. That man cares about his never-dying soul. He first needs to be washed, and then he needs to be clothed. Clothed in a way that's pleasing to God. The great need of the young. Go down to verse 10. You ask me how? I turn to God's word. I give it attention. I give it my whole attention. And verse 10. Here's another lovely verse following thereafter. With my whole heart have I sought thee. We turn to God and his word in a way with our mind. But with my whole heart, I turn to God and I know I've been wandering. And I say to God, here's a prayer, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments anymore. But I can't. I'm a sinner. Yes, you can. God will give you a new life, a new heart, a heart that's offended every time you break God's law. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Have you sought God with your whole heart? Have you asked him that from now on you wouldn't wander from his truth, wander from his ways? If you're serious, verse 11, this is what you'll do as well. Seek him and you'll hide his word in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, God's word keeps us from sin. God's word points out our sin, and God's word gives us the remedy for sin. What's the remedy? Jesus Christ. How will I know that? Verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Oh, I could keep going with all these verses. The great need of the young. But I want to change tack. Our second heading this morning. What are the particular motivations for young people? You go to school tomorrow. I don't know who you are. I'm not thinking of anybody particular this morning. You go to work. Maybe you're the only God-fearer in your family. What's going to motivate you to live tomorrow? Well, let me tell you some of the things. I could have drawn a longer list. The first, the sort of thing that motivates young people today. Tell me after if you agree with me. Is this what you experience? Is this what you've chosen? The first one is this. This is a motivator, a desire for young people today. And it's this. Approval ratings are what really counts. My life, what really matters is, does somebody like? Does somebody follow? Does somebody give a nod of approval to your life? Approval ratings, we're obsessed by them today. 
a football team play and afterwards the fans write in five out of ten, eight out of ten. Social media, the whole business model works on approval ratings, like, dislike, kudos, no kudos. Our whole lives are put through the mincer of approval ratings. Does that person approve of me? Do they like my picture making funny signals with my hands? Making weird pouting expressions? Do people like it? That's what counts today. Be careful. There's only one approval that counts. What does God think of your life? Because God knows your heart this morning. Secondly, the second motive and desire. I've got this desire. I've been in this family that's a bit strict. They tell me what to wear. They tell me what to eat. They tell me where I can go, where I can't go. Give me freedom. That's what I need and want. I want to break loose a bit. I want to rebel, but I'm not going to call it that. That sounds wrong. I'm going to ask for a bit more. I'm going to make the boundaries just slip a bit wider. Sometimes when nobody's watching, I'll jump over them. I'll push them back. Give me freedom to listen to the music I want to. To dress the way it suits me. Just give me freedom. Isn't that what we're told today? I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about that desire that Satan puts into young people and older people's hearts that say no boundaries. My body, I'll do what I like with it when I want to do what I like with it. How it suits me. That's another desire, a motive. Give me freedom. Do you recognize that? Does anybody have that desire this morning to break free? Let me break free. Third one, leisure. Endless leisure. And technology, we can put that in the same bracket because the two are nearly one today. If I can have a bit more, another game, another this, another that, more clothes, more this, more that, that will really satisfy. Leisure, pleasure, more. The next fix, the next adrenaline high, the next kick. Do you know that's the way many people live today? Do you know Christians can do it? The next holiday, the next this. Where does your pleasure come from? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Any pleasure, supreme pleasure, I'm not meaning happy things, but where you really get your pleasure from, that's not in the Lord, 
by definition, is an idol because it's not the Lord. Fourthly, here's another one that young people have today. They believe this lie of Satan and this motivates them in life. They say, life is going to get better and better and better. As I grow up, there's going to be more of what I want and less of what I don't. And life is just one optimistic, hopeful view of everything. Wars will cease. I'll have freedom. There will be no illness. Everything will work out just fine. There's really no flaws in my heart. Having an optimistic view of life, that's another motive. I don't need God. I don't need his help. I don't need his wisdom. I don't need the Bible. I don't need parents guiding me. I just need to go and explore, to go and find out. It's what we do with children today. We don't give them any boundaries. We don't give them any wisdom. We don't really parent. We throw them to the dogs. We say, go and have one great big experiment. You'll get your fingers burned. You'll have some damage to your body and to your life and to your soul. But just go and experiment. Try a bit. Live a little. It's a lie. We see the wrecks of time. The lives of the celebrities who thought they had everything and had nothing. Don't believe it. What about another one? Wealth, status. We can't touch on that. A sixth one. I need to be in the it crowd, the in crowd. I need to be accepted. I need to be in the group. That's at school, isn't it? Am I one of the cool people? Am I acceptable? Am I in the gang? Never has there been a time where people are more connected, more accepted, and more lonely, and isolated, and cut off, and anxious, and despondent. Have you thought about that? Isn't that where we are today? You can be in the in crowd, and you can be the loneliest person on the planet. Because if you don't have God as your saviour, if you don't have him as your friend and your guide, you haven't really got a guide and a friend that will stay through life. Seventhly, give it a go. Just give anything a go. Give it a try. Try it. Try it. Just try one or two. Have a go. Give it a go. You never know, you might like it. What an irony. King Solomon, you can read this in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. He tried 12 back-to-back -back experiments. See if you can list them out this afternoon. 12. Every single one failed. He tried women. He tried wealth. He tried pets. He tried buildings, projects, fail. 
fail, fail. There is no truly fulfilling life unless you know your God. How can a young man cleanse his way, put his life in order, young woman? How can I be cleansed of sin and live an ordered life as God has intended? Well, let me give you some advice this morning as we close. The Bible's advice for the young. We've thought of the great need. We've thought of the desires, the motives that many of us get fooled, me included, earlier in life. What does the Bible say to us? Well, here's some bits of advice. You have three enemies. You can't see them. Those enemies are called the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil is masterminding the world. He's trying to pull the strings in your heart. The world, the flesh, the devil. They are your greatest enemies. You can't see them. But don't ever believe that they don't exist. You go and ask an older person, somebody that's a Christian, and tell them, get them to tell you, is there a devil? Is he real? These things that I hear in my ears, in my heart, is that me? Am I imagining things or is it the same things? Again and again, the devil's tricks, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the desires in your heart. Those are your enemies. They are very real. Secondly, this is what the Bible teaches. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings are very unreliable. They're changeable. They're up, they're down, some more than others. They come here, they go, they're driven by emotion. The world says, the Bible never says this, trust your heart. The Bible says the opposite. It says your heart is untrustworthy. It's deceitful and it's desperately wicked until the Lord gives us a heart of flesh. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust if it feels good, do it. Thirdly, this is right in our text, God's word is timeless, it's reliable, it's proven, it's evidenced, it's been borne out in millions of people's lives. There's not one word that's not pure. You find it. I never have. I find the opposite every time I read it. I find of a Savior who went about doing good. I find about a Bible that cleanses my heart. I find its wisdom for life makes me make the right decisions. And when I ignore it and disregard it, I go wrong, wrong, wrong. Listen to God's word. It's reliable. It's timeless. Give heed to it. Fourthly, understand yourself. That's a great problem today. 
Young people, they don't see themselves as other people do. They don't have perception. Perception is difficult. It means climbing above, flying into a drone of your life and seeing what you're doing, what you sound like, how you come across to people, how self-centered you are, how thoughtless you are, what an inconvenience you are to the family when you say, I want, I want. Get some perspective. God's word is what will give us that perspective. Fifthly, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then there's a warning. That's the instruction. But Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember before, before, before the evil days come before your life gets difficult, before Satan's got hold of you, remember your loving creator that has a plan for your life. And when it's gone wrong and you've deviated, remember your creator before you get old, before you make even more errors and sin. Ask the Lord to straighten your life out. Ask the Lord to cleanse your way. Sixthly, we draw to a close. Your great need, while you're young, is to be right with God. Get right with God. You can only do it in the quiet of your heart, you can only tell him what you know. Tell him what you know of your sin. You don't know it all because there's sins that you don't know you've done. Tell him what you do know. Confess and acknowledge your sin and get right with God. The Lord will be so pleased to hear your confession. He'll see that you mean it if you do. And he'll come and cleanse your way. And he'll help you in life. And he'll guide you and direct you. And you'll save yourself so much pain. So many broken lives. Marriages broken because you made the wrong choice. Because you didn't listen to God. Foolish decisions that if you asked it God to guide your way, he would have done. Finally, a proverb. One of the first verses I preached on here. Buy the truth. Get hold of it. Give all you've got. Get rid of your best treasures your most loved idols. And when you've got that truth which is Christ, sell it not. Don't have any false Christ. Don't have any phony substitute. The only thing you need is to buy truth. And you buy it with no money. You come as you are. You lay hold on Christ and then never leave him 
never forsake him. Love him and show him your love by walking in his ways, by the truth, sell it not. Young people this morning, I don't say this in any condescension. You have a far harder life than I did. You've got temptations I did not know anything about. But I give you God's word. Apply it to your heart. Don't ignore it. You do so at your peril. Listen to God's word. How can a young person cleanse their way? By taking heed to the word of God. May the Lord help us this morning. Let's sing.